Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Sound Medicine Podcast. I'm Barbara Lewis. This month, I'm taking a break from the usual format because I have a story I want to share with you. It's a story about illness. It's a story about friendship and irony. My story begins around a kitchen table with three friends, Pat Lair, an oncologist, Eric Meslin, a medical ethicist, and David Flockhart, a pharmacogeneticist. I know what you're thinking. What's pharmacogenetics? That is the study of how drugs metabolize or otherwise interact with a person's DNA. So anyway, I've known these three guys personally and professionally for many years. They'd all been guests on my previous public radio show. So about two years ago, the four of us started to get together on Sunday mornings for scones and coffee and, most importantly, conversation. My husband had died less than a year before, so for me... These friends were a great support group. We talked about what mattered, and we laughed about what didn't. But the real reason we started meeting was because one day, Dave Flockhart was running down some steps, and he tripped. Now, most of us would just blame an untied shoelace or just plain clumsiness. But David, he suspected, okay, he feared that he had a brain tumor. And it turns out he was right. When I first realized it, and that's not something that happens in a moment. Like it, 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 you realize it over. A, you realize you have cancer over a period of time. It's rather like a death and dying kind of thing. You know, you, you. Uh, it's not like that at all. It was glioblastoma multiforme. That's an aggressive form of brain cancer. Let me back up about David. He was born in Scotland. He came to the U.S. for some college. He trained as a laboratory scientist, went on to medical school, becoming one of the pioneers in the area of personalized medicine. And he was a frequent radio guest because he was so good at explaining how drugs work in the body in a way the rest of us could understand. And that's where this first irony pops up. Dave actually had developed a lot of the tests that we commonly use today if you have cancer. One of the tests he came up with helps your doctor figure out which chemo drugs will work best for you and at what dosage based on how your body will metabolize it. So as part of getting his own diagnosis and prognosis, Dave had to take that test himself. Now, his skill at explaining complicated medical issues was coming in handy once again. He wanted to talk about the cancer. He wanted to talk about the process of being a patient and being a scientist. 
and he wanted the conversations to be recorded. So bear with me. You will hear us eating. You will hear us crumpling paper. You will hear us pounding on the kitchen table because I really wanted these three friends, these scientists, to forget the recorder was on and so they could focus on each other. He's developing a twitch. So now it's March of 2015. David began by sharing how tough it was to get his family members to really believe he was seriously ill. I, I couldn't figure out how to get a reasonable interpretation of the prognosis and everything to, to my family. Because it's always come from me. <laughs> um, so Pat, my brother, came. And we went to the Cleveland Clinic last week. And they did the interpretation thing for him. And he was just completely knocked out. I mean, he, he didn't get it. You know, he hadn't really got it till, uh he and his wife came. But. Um, what do you mean by that? I guess I don't understand. What do you mean? Did he not really get? What didn't he really? He get? didn't understand the prognosis was as grim. You know, all he heard was, he was here for the surgery, and he heard Scott. What he heard was Scott Shapiro said fourteen years. You know, he hadn't really, didn't get the whole spectrum. You know, of what the possibilities were. It might be fourteen years, but I mean, it's could also be two weeks. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. it, it, it's. It's it's a hard thing, and and uh, you've had cancer before. That's Eric Meslin, the bioethicist. He and Dave became fast friends in 2001. It was their first day on the job at Indiana University School of Medicine. Yeah, but it wasn't so scary by a long shot. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. Dave's first experience with cancer started when he had a biopsy just before a Fourth of July weekend. And the doctor, the dermatologist, said, "I'll get back to you before the weekend." Days went by. No news, right? Nothing happened over the weekend. July the 4th comes, finally, you know, um, there's nobody around who knows about it. So it's like uh, the Tuesday afterwards, and during this whole time, you're lying awake at night, you're, you know. (laughs) Finally, after six days, no phone call, he went back to the doctor's office. I was met in the exam room by a medical student. And she said, well, I'm I'm so sorry about this, Dr. Flocker. What's your reaction to having cancer? And I thought, like, what? <laughs> Just nobody told me. You know, like, none of these guys had, had done it. It was like how not to do it, like, to give it to a medical student. But, but did you... They, uh, they didn't know they were giving it to a medical student. They just screwed up. Yeah. But you, and did she, you, how did you... I mean, I know internally that's how you... Yeah. But outwardly for the medical student where you're like... Oh, I was this real challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I didn't want to be a horrible role model for the medical student. Right, exactly. Right, right, right. right. It's, a, it's an odd thing, isn't it? So I just kind of said, oh, that's interesting. It's just like... <laughs> and then I have got all this stuff going through my mind about, you know, what's the prognosis? Is it metastatic? Do I need to be CAT scanned? You know, like all this other stuff, which did happen. David was treated for that lymphoma, and he recovered... But that experience reverberated when his second cancer showed up. What if the two episodes were related? And what about the history of cancer in his family? I just sat back and listened as the three scientists chewed that one over. Yeah, my mom had lymphoma before she had glioblastoma multiforme, just like me. Yeah, come on. So this is not... Coincidence? Yeah. That's, I mean, it's a rare tumor. Could be. (laughs) Could be. Could be. Yeah. I mean, everybody I've talked to has... Completely coincidence, nothing to do with anything. You know, just uh, yeah, no, there's something there. There's something there. Yeah, something and we ought to be. You well, know, I'm know. trained to think about outliers. I mean, yeah. It's the minute mm-hmm. you get an outlier. It's a black swan problem, exactly. That's exactly 
exactly. Right, right. Yeah. The minute you get something unusual like that, my instinct is, and this is this happens at the level of education and fellows, you know, don't throw it out as a mm -hmm. as an unusual weird data point. You know, that that's the one you need to care about. When you say that's the oddity, mm -hmm. look over, you know, make sure you don't Miss rule it. that out. Yeah. Um, the obsessive diagnostician will focus on the rare more than on the common when in fact the more likely scenario is that it is not the rare yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what i mean mm -hmm. no, the more no. likely scenario is that this is they're not connected <clears throat> right right the less likely scenario is that they are connected and we'll never actually know until yeah. you know we've sequenced you know your genome and the genomes of all yeah. of your family members. So from the scientific point of view, actually, we ought to go back when people have two more cancers, and I really would love to study. Is it the tumors. same signaling pathway? As yeah, just take their the tumors first. and really do uh, genomic analysis and I'd see. I'd love what the, to see the common thing because I think again we tend to blow. You can hear it in his voice. He sounds so much like a scientist. He is so pragmatic. But David said. He realized early on, right after those diagnostic tests, that he was reacting a lot more like a patient and a lot less like a scientist. It's like the other day when the, the, the first MRI came. You're so, you're still emotionally react. You're not really taking in data. You're, you're just experiencing an emotional thing. And when this guy had said, you know, the smudge, the smudge MRI, had said, you know, and it's in the wrong place, your cognitive function is going to go downhill fairly quickly and all this other stuff. I'm not really hearing that, you know. <laughs> Just... And that was what was so scary about a glioblastoma diagnosis, not the threat of pain, but the idea of losing cognitive function. That was terrifying, especially to someone whose entire life's work had been thinking and solving scientific mysteries. I'm going to take a break, and when I come back, a few of the bucket list items that Dave Lockhart checked off during his struggle with brain cancer. You're listening to the Sound Medicine Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. For this special episode of the Sound Medicine Podcast, I'm sharing some of the recordings I made last year while a good friend of mine struggled with brain cancer. Right now, it's April of 2015. 
We're back in Dave Flockhart's kitchen. It's a Sunday morning. Once again, I've brought my audio recorder, a bunch of coffee, and a bag of cranberry scones, Dave's absolute favorite. With me are Pat Lair. He directs the IU Simon Cancer Center and bioethicist Eric Meslin. So how are you feeling? And Dave is just back from a trip to Europe. He figures he's going to go full stop and travel all he can while he still feels good. He took his daughter, Julia, and his then-companion, Mina. And he's so excited about the trip, he's talking to us while he's eating those scones. So you went to Venice, Florence? Well, we flew, we had, we had a couple of days in London, okay. which were disgusting from the point of view of Mina and Julia. Yeah. Shopping. Oh. Oh, shopping. Oh, I, thought, yeah. I thought you were... The two of them went shopping, which I knew was a dangerous thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's... A, yeah. Right. Where actually did they shop? They went to Harrods, of course. Plus, Dave ordered a new suit for his son's summer wedding. He was able to take his chemo meds while he was traveling, even though they made him nauseous after every round. He figured it was better than staying home. I was on the first day of my chemo, the first day I arrived in London. So by bath, right? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so I had five days of chemo, the fifth day of which was going to be the, uh, almost the last day in, in Venice. And on that low day, that day five of the cycle, they all took a boat trip out to the famous glass-blowing island of Murano. But this is the day of the last day of my chemo. Yeah. Right, so Mina's like, gragging me. It's quite hilarious. And I, but it had a... It's medically interesting, this, because I... Then after that, I just kind of kept going, kept going, going. I really didn't take a break from, you know, after what I should have yeah. taken that. And the result was I was just completely zoned. So the whole pushing yourself all in Italy, it didn't occur to you that maybe you should just... No, I really finish. wanted to see Milan. <laughs> I really wanted to do all this stuff. And then Yeah, that's right. That's when you got back. Yeah, you're still pushing yourself. I didn't realize how much I pushed myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good sign, isn't it? You know? Well, the fact that I can still, I'm sitting here. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're I, pushing, I, yeah. I can push and then recover. Between all the chemo and the jet lag, it took days for Dave to bounce back. But he was determined to keep going. One thing he's learned eight months into treatment is that the two things that really helped him feel better were getting plenty of exercise and staying positive. He'd seen what losing hope can do to your spirit because Dave has a colleague at Georgetown who is dealing with the same form of brain cancer. And he's, he, he's diagnosed in April, right? I was diagnosed in September, and he's just completely zoned out. Mm-hmm. But he's not getting exercise. I think, I think that's... He's put on like 30 pounds. So the, the so, obvious question is how does that... How do you react to that? I mean, is this like flowers for Algernon kind of knowing? No, it's just a kind of grit uh, determination. Okay, fine. You know, just... I think Pat's question is the right question in a way. You can't help but say, okay, this guy is six months ahead of me. Of course. That's where I'm going to be in six months? How would you not think that way? Yeah, yeah. But it's not that's the way you'll be, but it, it is always the way you could be, and so that has to just enter. In. Yeah, there's a competitive thing in me. Though. It's, it's, that's what it's, I was wondering about. That's yeah, no... Yeah. In way. Right, 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 right. That, that, that's it. That's what I get. Because it doesn't... Some Scottish or Canadian thing or whatever, but I mean, it's, there's a real... Yeah, but you also, the the idea that you would compare seems natural. There's someone who, yeah, has, yeah, yeah. There's someone who has what I have, yeah. and they're ahead of me. Therefore, it makes sense that I would be like that in six Yeah, months. but I mean, it's an interesting therapeutic psychology. You know, I mean, the other thing... 
I mean, I, it, I, so much of this has to do with mood and attitude. And, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, a, a huge amount, I think, has to do with it. But the other thing was music. You know, I, I haven't really had music in here at all. But uh, Mina was like, you know, really big on this. I mean, and I, it's a real thing. I mean, in terms of mood. I mean, no, no <coughs> question about it. So she got all kinds of stuff that we, you know, that were kind of our music, you know, this stuff. Mm -hmm. Stuff to, we like to play together. Like now. most of the 50s. <laughs> Uh, hey, 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 I had Motown on the yesterday. Casey Kasem brings it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Sunshine Band. What happened? Best of 1959. Actually, I love the 50s. The 50s. I like the 50s. I want to brought it up. I just. Frank Sinatra, slow dancing kind of stuff. Yeah. On the 1 to 10 scale, how are you feeling? Uh. Today's about uh, eight. Pretty good. Tuesday, Wednesday, I was like a two. You know, it was really. But I went to work, man. You, know, you look I, good. Yeah. I went in to work. I, I've got this really good thing that seems to work where I, if I take a break in the middle of the day, by mm -hmm. break I mean uh, I lie on the, <laughs> I lie on the floor of my office. You know, on a right. pillow. Right. Have a nap. Absolutely. One yeah. and a half hours. Works for you. <laughs> that's why. That's what he's. That's what he's running committee meetings. I don't even want to go. We, we did that. We did that once together. All along, David had been looking at his own brain cancer from two perspectives: as a patient and as a scientist. When he was first diagnosed, he told us that the patient part of him felt pressure to have surgery immediately to get that tumor out. At the same time, the scientist would have done things very differently. I was agonizing about really postponing it a good bit so we could do more neurologic tests. So I'd have something to measure against, you know? Mm -hmm. When I was coming out of recovery, that was, I, I, I'm still upset I didn't spend more time doing that because I would have had more things to measure against, you know, if I'd, uh, I'd done that. But as it was, it was all kind of mixed yeah. up with the family panicking and everything else. Yeah, you so, just had to get it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But why? You really got to ask, why? Yeah. Why do you, you have to get it done? Right, you want you want that thing out of there at some point. Well, what's the big rush? You know, is it going to make any difference whether to its resectability, whether it's a week from now or two weeks from now, or probably not. You see, emotionally, you want to get rid of it, but scientifically, you know, I, I think uh, you know that the cancer is going to spread because that's what cancer does. Right. And, and then what you have to you don't know when, and, and so you're anticipating. But it doesn't. What well, we know, Pat, it's going to spread. But we, it, I think it often spreads in discontinuous bursts. Right, right, you know, right, it goes right. and then Punctuated your immune system does some stuff right, right. and then it comes back again and it goes up again. And yeah. I, I think that's really the way I think about it because um, immune is such a big deal in this, yeah, in, yeah. well, I think in any cancer, but I mean, this one in particular, I can feel it. This sounds crazy, but I can feel it. If, if I have a long walk, like the other, just before I left for Italy, I had a 26,000 step walk day. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Really, and I felt so much better the day after that. Right after, it was like I was more coordinated. I was more, you know, <laughs> I wasn't wiped. It was the opposite. But uh, that's a bit of the what the hell is that? Is that you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, that, See, that I, really I think happens. it's the immune system. I think it's something good. You get. It's almost like you get past an endorphin point, a threshold, mm -hmm. and the idea that in cancer. I think it's about turned to cardiovascular disease as well, but the idea in cancer that it's just this inexorable, dum, 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 I just don't buy that. It, mm -hmm. it, it's 
not it's fighting a steady something. march. And it's it's fighting something and it's going back and forth. And that progression is influenced by a bunch of things, but the dominant thing is mood. But I mean it's it's classic out of the psychiatric literature. I mean it's it's not anything surprising. It's mm. it's a willingness to get up and do things as opposed to just lie there. Um, it's affected by the weather. For so do you think you're generally on the mood scale of zero to ten or whatever? Yeah, it depends what time of day you get me. Because you bounce in and out of it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know. I mean, I was always in this mode of feeling lucky. Lucky like really? going to beat it or lucky going to be no, up a light right hand tail the curve? No, no. Yeah. Okay. Lucky period. That yeah. this, this happened this way. I've been thinking about that a lot. But people have no immediate connections around them, a sudden cardiac death is probably the best thing. But if you've got deep, deep things around you, you just leave huge holes and a sense of loss. So I really felt soon after that in the conversations that I was having with you, Eric, and other people, that I would get to design this thing. I would get to actually have some influence over who I talk to and who I, who I want to be around. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Get closure. I feel I've done that. So now I'm just kind of like a naive little kid in the playground. You know, you're you're just waiting to be hit. But the immune system thing and the exercise thing really keeps me going. The idea of uh, you know falling down where I'm walking one day that would be fun. Because yeah, I'd be doing something I like doing. So while he was feeling like that little kid in the playground waiting for the next hit, David persevered. He wore his new suit to his son Andrew's wedding. He was a wild man on the dance floor. I have a photo of him dancing. It is one of my absolute favorites. But time went on, and as September arrived, Dave's sharp mind and quick wit began to get fuzzy. The brain tumor was affecting his ability to express himself. Our Sunday morning meetings in the kitchen began to focus on the next phase of treatment and on what should happen if that treatment failed. I'll have that part of the story on the next episode of Sound Medicine. This podcast is produced by Nora Hyatt, engineered by Chris Lieber. We have support from the IU School of Medicine, and we're available on iTunes and Stitcher and at the ACAST website. So please tell your friends. I'll be back in a few weeks. In the meantime, I'm Barbara Lewis. Take care. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 